Welcome to Get Real with Dr. Renee. With her extensive experience as a double CEO, therapist, and renowned treatment specialist, Dr. Calvert's approach to recovery and emotional freedom is unique and diverse. Dr. Calvert's innovative and unfiltered perspective sheds light on the importance of being human and encourages guests and listeners to get real. Joined by Bindi Hyde, producer, coach, and founder of Ethical Change Agency on a mission to spread collective change, understanding that it starts with us. It's time to get real. In this episode, we get real with special guest Ben Sorensen. Ben joins us from Melbourne, Australia, and is a comedian, voiceover artist, and media presenter with Autism Spectrum Disorder. Ben helps us to see his perspective, how life is different for him, and to consider if ASD or neurodiversity is a disorder or a gift in navigating everyday life, all while having a laugh. Ben, we want to get um, your input on this, obviously, um, with your life experience. But before we get started, we might actually have a look at what the definition is for um, autism spectrum disorder. According to Centres for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, they say that autism spectrum disorder is a developmental disability that can cause significant social communication and behavioural changes. There's often nothing about how people with ASD look Uh, that sets them apart from other people, but people with ASD may communicate, interact, behave and learn in ways that are different for most other people. The learning, thinking and problem-solving abilities of people with ASD can range from gifted to severely challenged. Some people with ASD may need a lot of help in their daily lives and others need less. Um, Look, it's a really, really broad spectrum uh, and... They have this great line, when you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person because everyone's yes. different. And one of the things, and I, and I think it's really interesting, so there's uh, social skills, still really huge problem for me and for a lot of people, and it's a case of uh, being, uh, and uh, with, with a few autistic people, being really, really... Um, clear about what you know and what you don't know so for example if i uh, i will work up to the edge of my social skills so i'll be i'll appear normal 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 edge of the social skills boom severely disabled no idea what's going on so i think and sometimes i get myself into lots of trouble um because i i miss cues or I think I'm getting the social cues but I totally miss it um and recovery is not a strong point because in order to recover from that you need social skills so I spend most of my most of my days most of my world masking and I mask really really well uh to the point where I make a living out of it so um working on those social skills Totally. It's a really, really big thing. And it's, uh, it's a cognitive process for me as opposed to an intuitive one. So um, neuro, uh, neurologically typical people do a lot of what autistic people try to do uh, cognitively. They do it intuitively. And I think I read a research paper somewhere. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember uh, who did it or anything about it. But the key takeaway I got from it was that autistic people use two to three times the amount of energy that a neurologically typical person does in a day to do 
the same thing. And it's all to do with that, uh, the high energy expense of reading faces and social cues. Yeah. So it's so amazing that you should talk about social skills and whatnot um, for our listeners and those who may be tuning in for the first time. Um, Live Treatment, which is our concierge program, uh, takes one individual and wraps around them with their own individual team, their own unique team. And one of the things that we do practice, both with um, speech and social therapists, as well as case managers, and we practice it on the ground, are social skills. Um, it's really obvious on the outside, but not always obvious when you're kind of looking in on the situation, that in order to interact socially, or in order to change something that happens in relation to another person, you actually have to be in relation with another person. So it's not something you can solve on your own. It's something that takes practice mm. and patience. And it's something that, um, it's something that, you know, it, it's like a skill. It's a skill yeah. set that you build. Um, the idea of fake it till you make it, you know, is really something I think you've, you know, just mentioned, like you said, you make, you make living of it, you know, yeah. and not everyone is as fortunate to know how to kind of hide or, or, let me take that back. It's not really. No, 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 no. That's that's totally hide is totally correct. Okay. Because when we, uh, it is about hiding because mm. uh, the modern society that we live in has such a low tolerance for different. Yes. And all of all of my autistic issues with society go away mm -hmm. if we are a uh, inclusive society with. Uh, kindness and more so capacity for kindness and not only does that make individually my autistic world better it actually makes everyone's world better you know so well, I mean I think I think we fear what we don't understand and for me in my work and really just in being a human being forget work and the way I choose to look at the world um what's wrong with it versus what's right with it. Mm. And, you know, in every situation where you're presented, you know, obviously you have to be in reality. There are, there are challenges, there are difficulties. You can't overlook them. You can't pink cloud. You can't, we you can't know, all have be your head in the stars. <laughs> exactly. Nor would I ever want to be, God bless. Uh, um, uh, ter terrible job for someone like me. I have a terrible poker face. Uh, I'm just way, I'm just way, way too authentic for that. Um, and uh, I guess that's that's where you know my neurology is, is that I, I can't lie to save my life. Um, the the idea is, you know, um, looking at what's right with the situation or how to cha change something that we see as something to fear because we fear that which we don't understand. Um, the more we understand it and the more we under, the more we level the playing field, you know, I think that's really, really where connection happens. And, and it's not just about even tolerance or acceptance. It's really, like you said, it's about inclusion. It's not, I tolerate you or I accept you. It's, it's equality. It's your, you are, you are human. I am human, you know, and I don't know what in the hell normal is to be very honest with you. When someone comes to me and they say, you know, I, I just want to be normal. And I go, what does that mean to you? 
And generally speaking, what they're talking about is a list of attributes that they have learned through voices and influences in their lives that don't belong to them, mm. um, that kind of play like a tape recorder did you in their say, head. Did you say influences or influencers? Uh, both. I said influences, but yes, I mean, media, big, big, right? Um, yeah. in, influences in our personal lives and our public lives, whatever the case may be, they set the tone oftentimes for what we think are our opinions of ourselves. And it's not really true. This idea of what normal is, is something that's been taught. It's something that we've learned through, you know, trying to adapt to what society tells us we ought to be or we need to be. And obviously social skills are, are clearly important. It's a survival mechanism, but it's very difficult to learn social skills if you feel like you are coming at it from a place of feeling shamed and feeling um, like you are an outcast or like you are very misunderstood or almost kind of like, you know, like, like someone's looking in on you, like you're in a zoo and mm. we're kind of like, Oh, how's the, you know, how's the, how's the, how's the chimpanzee doing today? You know, when well, the reality is at the end of the day, um, what we're really talking about, and I, I love the word and, 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 so, you know, I think many of us who are in the mental health field or who have, you know, really had practice working with all, all people from all walks of life have heard the word and have utilized the, the verbiage neurodiverse. But to many people, that, that literal verbiage is something that they've never heard of before. Mm. They've only heard of disorder. They've heard of diagnosis. They've heard abnormal. They've heard disabled. Um, and that, you know, the idea of neurodiversity to me is that that is an all-encompassing word. It's, it's really, we are all neurodiverse. There is no, like, I love what you said about, you know, when you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. Um, that applies so much across the board. You wanna talk about inclusion. That, that applies so much across the board to so many different labels that mm. we put on people. And I, I understand diagnoses. It's necessary to have one to understand how to treat, to understand how to have a treatment plan, to understand what that looks like for each individual. You have to have a starting point. But beyond a diagnosis that's on a piece of paper that can apply to anyone, so, what right. then needs to happen is who is Ben? Who is Rene? Who is Bindi? Who are we as individuals? Because if we are only what we are on paper, then somebody thinks they know everything they need to know about us by a list of symptoms that may or may not apply to any way that we present in the world. Um, and it certainly doesn't allow really for growth. It kind of boxes us in. It tells us who we are. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's a form of education right? Okay, this person is neurodiverse, so I need to have this understanding and compassion. It can also be a box that we put people in where it's kind of like, okay, so you're in this abnormal box over here. And like I said before, show me normal and I'll show you a liar. Mm. 
Mm. There, there is no normal. There is no normal other than what someone said was normal based on their experience or their expectation. And even if we look at what that normal is, it changes over time. But um, I think that uh, the di- diagnosis is a good, uh, I call it a head start. Yes. So rather than reinventing the wheel, <laughs> you're going, ah, oh, okay, so maybe now I've got a Google search term. I can mm. connect with others or I can find some some hacks like I, you know, we all did or I did with sleep or with other things. I think when we when we when we look at autism and we look at um organizations that uh try and help with autism, some people some do, some don't. Um I think the important thing and one of the things that I, I've seen has has missed the mark a little bit is uh everyone's talking about it. From how how to out how to appear and present uh, more in line with what we consider to be social norms, as opposed to what's happening inside. So you see a lot of really damaging programs out there that go, uh, "We will get your uh, train your autistic kid like a dog," and incidentally, I love dogs. Um, but we'll train your autistic kid like a dog to fit in at school as opposed to going, what trauma is that doing on the inside? Why don't we look at how to build a, uh, a resilient kind human that can function as opposed to burning 150% of that kid's energy into um, violently forcing him into be whatever we consider to be normal or whatever we consider will be uh, fitting in with a school group or something, as opposed to just relaxing some of the rules and, you know, creating a happy human, happier human. I think that's so, so integral on so many levels um, of treatment, of schooling. The, like we were talking about before, the, 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 the encoding what we believe about ourselves, what we're told about ourselves. We should be like this. Um, And I often wonder, you know, when we're talking about the statistics of one in 59 children are being born um, with ASD, um, you know, there's so many different theories out there, born, made, et cetera, et cetera. the CDC indicates, you know, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention indicates that one in 59 children mm-hmm. are born with ASD. Now, to me, again, looking at it from my perspective, looking at outside the box, right? I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how many times in our lives, historically, have we labeled something, a disorder or a diagnosis or a deficiency, and we come to realize over time that what we are really looking at is an evolutionary process Mm. that because we don't understand it or we're going by a label, um, because we're looking at the problem and that the solution is conformity, not inclusion, um, but conforming to without explanation, right? I'd love to know, and I want to go back to this question with you because I know that you 
are probably the perfect person to talk to, like you said, no two people are the same. Mm. But if you had a little child sitting in front of you, I'd like to know how you would explain to them what they have and what they're going to need to do about it. Um, and what they should, what they should, you know, I want to really hear you, you know, act, you know, play that out with me, that conversation, because yeah. that's really integral, I think. Well, uh, um, I, I actually think the short answer is that uh, they should prepare for war. We're going to uh, band together and rise up against the neurologically typical and take over the world. I actually I th- believe that I think that's that might true. be a little bit too much. No, it, it, I actually, I actually think that that's you know it. I, I, I love it, and I, I see you laughing, and I'm I. But at the at the same time, too, like I, you know, I don't think that that's too far from what I'm actually getting at. I really think that we are talking about a process of evolution that is occurring. When I look at the neurodiverse way of thinking, and I look at the amount of brain energy that it takes to fit into the norm the norm, whatever the heck that is. Um, the idea is, you know, what we're missing the boat here. And the idea, what we really need to be asking ourselves is, okay, we're seeing 159 children being born into this world with neurodiversity. That's only the ones that we have diagnosed by the way Mm -hmm. okay not all the ones that are undiagnosed not all the ones that are um you know what they call in 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 our world psychology non non otherwise specified nos okay so it's like you know um non-verbal learning disability yeah another acronym exactly just like acronym after acronym right and you know no two people are created equal yes there that that's why the idea of spectrum is so important, right? Mm -hmm. But while we are understanding how to help those who struggle, what we also need to be looking at is, as an evolutionary process, if we are really looking at this scientifically, there have to be deviations and morphing and things like that along the way as evolution continues to develop. Darwin wrote a bit about that. Yeah, right? And, you know, and what I'm seeing when I look at neurodiverse people who I've interacted with and have very often um, is that each unique individual has something so important to offer and their way of thinking or approaching a situation, the skill sets that they need to develop, the resiliency that they need to develop. But more important than just the resiliency and the strength and the courage that it takes to walk through life is the appreciation that may be lacking in what they actually have to offer. Because when I have these conversations, what it always what always impresses me is that there's this completely different and yet exceptionally important way of looking at a problem. Or, or figuring out a solution or whatever the case may be for that particular moment. And it's not something that someone else might come up with because no two individuals are created equal. But I really do believe that those that are on the spectrum have a gift. And 
when we talk about the amount of energy that it takes to fit into the norm, where are we losing sight of the gifts that if we were more inclusionary and really taught children, adults, at whatever point they learn that they have this diagnosis, Mm. what this actually could mean for them and what it means for all of us really, if we look at this as an evolutionary step towards something so much bigger than we can possibly see right now. You know, I really, I've said it before to people, I'm like, you know, some, you know, someone's going to cure cancer. Um, and it's probably going to be a neurodiverse person. And when you look at those who have been diagnosed, you know, the, the ones that are famous, the ones that we know about Temple Grand and, you know, these individuals that are just, you know, have brought such knowledge and outside of the box thinking, they all of a sudden, you know, come up with these theories and we're like, huh, that's interesting. Well, well, you just mentioned how much you love dogs, right? Well, you know, Temple Grandin could tell you all about why it is that we respond to and and interact with animals the way that we do, mm. what they prefer, what they don't prefer, what 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 understanding we need to have of another being, even though they're an animal, they are another being, they are another soul. They don't mask. Huh? They don't, animals don't mask. I love that. Exactly. 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 The only downside I would see with uh, enabling uh, a lot of autistic people to shine as bright as they can, uh, which is I think everyone should uh, not have their their light dulled. Um, But if we were all to stop masking, there would be a disproportionate global increase in the sale of chicken nuggets. <laughs> and I think we really would need to address that. I think I think that the idea that, you know, <clears throat> learning the skill sets that are necessary to like chicken just nuggets. To, <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you know your dipping sauce. You know, the whole nine yards, you got to You got to have your order prepared before you go in. You got to know you want a 12 piece, 24, whatever, how hungry are you feeling, really? Um, Or you could really mess them up and ask for a 42 piece (laughs) because I think if you piece the numbers together, you can't get 42, which is also the meaning of life. (laughs) I have heard that before and that's terrifying. Thank you for tuning in to Get Real with Dr. Ronay. If you've loved the show and would like to experience coaching with coaches like Dr. Ronay or Bindi through Live Treatment Concierge Services, visit livetreatmentvip.com. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. 
ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast, transform your influence. Electricast.